Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Hello, everyone. It's Langston Khan here today. Um, we're concluding our three-part series on emotions in the heart where I'm interviewing Christina. So I'll start us off with a prayer. I'm trying to invite you just to take a moment to settle into your body and find where your center is today in this moment. To feel the vastness of all that you are. And from that place of vastness and spaciousness, we call out to your ancestors and mine, those human ancestors who hold all this good and true and beautiful in our lines, and our non-human ancestors who dreamed our ancestors into existence, that archetypal realm that is always in conversation with us, always working to move through us, always working to remind us what it is to be life, moving towards life. We honor you and we call you in to help us this day. I call out to the spirits of the land, those beautiful spirits of place and specificity. Help us to remember the uniqueness of who we are within the vast constellation of being that we are part of. And I call out from there, from my heart to offer gratitude to the earth, the deep earth. Thank you for continuing to remind us that there is always deeper we can go, always more to feel and sense and see and release about what we think we know about who we are. Help us to do that this day. Help us to move into the depths, earth. Help us to remember the truth of our being wanting to be expressed through us. Remind us of belonging. Remind us of home. Remind us of grounding. Help us to feel a connection to our humanity and our bodies and all the wisdom waiting for us there in the present moment where we have the power to create change. And from the earth, we reach up that the highest power of the universe, that energy of mystery, of connection, of innocence, of risk, of protection, of blessing. And we draw that energy down into us like a lover, letting it fill us up, that energy of the above, that golden energy, reminding us of our essence, reminding us that we are held, reminding us that we have all we need to become whatever is needed to do whatever it takes. And from there, as we feel these two energies mixing and mingling inside of us, the above and the below, we call out to the heart that unites us all, that big, courageous, wild heart constantly inviting us into its wild dance. Help us to remember the conversation we are always in with the archetypal realms, the gods, with our ancestors. Help us to remember how to pick up the phone and join the conversation. Help us not to be subsumed by the crushing forces that seek to cut off that capacity to connect in that way. Help us instead to listen and to speak. We honor you and we thank you. So welcome, Christina. Thanks, Langston. Thanks for... Um taking the time to help to craft this conversation so that we could share it with the listeners. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, so as we've been talking in the last two episodes, if you listened about the emotions and the heart, 
And the ways they often get sort of sidelined in much of contemporary culture. And we're looking at some of the reasons that might be and what it might feel like to move into a more wholehearted relationship with our emotions and our heart um, that allowed for a fuller sense of really our humanity to be expressed into the world. And so this week we wanted to talk a bit about the opportunities that might be available to us in this time that we are in if we were willing to listen to the heart and to really take the heart on as a teacher and our emotions on as teachers and bring them into our life. And so maybe we could start out, Christina, by just talking a little bit about what is the time we're in right now? What's going on? You know, what year is it? Again? <laughs> right. And when will this stupid year be over, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, totally. But I think specifically what I mean is like in the, I, you know, the title we came for this show is Rescuing the Heart at the End of the World. And so I think I want to talk a little bit about the end of the world. And there's been a few shows in the archive you can listen to where Christina has talked about the ideas of what the end of a world is or might be within a shamanic context. Um, but I wonder if you could just talk about that in the context of right now and the times we're living in. Yeah. So, so... So if we look at this from a shamanic point of view, which is, of course, the point of why shamanism now, <laughs> it's not the only point of view, but that's the point of view for this show. And so if we look at it that way from a shamanic point of view, then the trickster is in everything. Trickster made this world, and there is a way of understanding trickster energy, of understanding that it is that ability to set aside one's automatic response from our nature responding to hunger or fear or pain or whatever and stopping and um, realizing you could just be with that and it creates another possibility that is outside of your nature and in that comes that that capacity for conscious thought that I'm no longer just my nature. So an example would be, just to make it really, really practical, and even out of the stories of Trickster, just really practical. I recently had a, a procedure, a restorative procedure on my knee so that hopefully I will continue to dance until the day I literally tip over in death. And because I was not able to dance, and that is not okay at my age. And so I have been, a numerous problems in my knee. And... Um, it's a really painful process, and yet I, I, um, it reminded me at it, when I wasn't sleeping in the pain, I just thought, you know what? You danced in point shoes on purpose because you wanted something. You experienced huge amounts of pain in, in, in the pursuit of this dream. You can do this. You know, you'll make it through this night. You're not going to die. And, and my point is just that reminder that at various times in my life, I've done things that are actually painful because I wanted something else. And, and so this sets in me then this story or this, this, yeah, story of this understanding, not that pain is necessary because it isn't actually. And that's part of growing older, wiser, and more trickstery is figuring out how to do that without so much pain. But my point is that you learn that the idea that when everything is aligned, all of this life will be pain-free is not accurate, nor is it accurate to believe that we always have to suffer, right? That, that that polarity is false on both sides. What is true is if we're being a really vital and active human, that leaning into discomfort is how we move into the aspect of ourself we do not yet know. And so as a, you know, as a young, younger woman, you know, I was leaning into dancing in point shoes, which can be excruciatingly painful because I wanted to be a ballerina at that time. That was my dream. And so this, this realization that zero pain is not um, a sign that you're doing it all right or that you've finally done all the healing you need to do to make the transformation happen. That those people that I see inspiring me right now by their writings and their work, mostly around 
um, engaging in, in true social transformation to truly build that world that our heart knows is possible. In all of those people, there is an understanding that we need to be able to lean into discomfort and to understand where does that discomfort become dysfunctional into that whole humans must suffer, no pain, no gain place. But, but this art, it's really an art to be alive and to understand that that requires a certain leaning in. And I know for me, that's very much about being able to listen, finding that sweet spot is about being able to listen to my body as well as my heart, my feelings, my emotions, and this place that gets created between the two, which is my intuition. And I actually believe our intuition comes out of, um, you know, other than our conscious brain. I mean, that's kind of the point of the intuition and connecting into more dreamy shamanic realms. And so, but the point is, I don't have to be journeying, for example, to be able to drop in and listen to the wisdom of my body and the wisdom of my heart and connect into my intuition in the moment. I can do that. Um, okay, sometimes I do that a little bit too much when I'm driving, but, <laughs> but otherwise, you know, the, having ease of connecting into our different wisdom bodies is something we can learn and, and cu- cultivate and learn to do. So my point in all of that was I feel like what is happening in this time, in this this divide of what we're in, is that there there are... There are various versions of that camp of, you know, humans must suffer, and, and in that, they accept their own suffering and continue to, to cultivate things that make people suffer. They're all based on separation, but that's too lofty a way to talk about it. They, it's people that are, create divisiveness, that hate, that um, undermine, that that propagate injustice, that would be violent, whether it's emotional violence or psychological violence, spiritual violence, or physical violence. And and so there's that group, and then there's the group that's just lifting off out of reality. And so an example of that group right now in this time is wanting to know the message from COVID, right, which is a big deal right now, right, as if the message isn't absolutely clear and the fact of this virus isn't our world screaming this message at us, which is simply how profoundly we are all connected mm. and how our actions influence each other. I mean, go back to whenever that was, February, March, when we got to see all those wonderful visual examples of how the virus is spreading, you know, whether it was ping pong balls or this graphic or that, they were, they were fabulous. Personally, I like the ping pong balls. But anyway, my point is that if we drop into this place you and I are trying to talk about, which is more of an animistic place, if you need to name it, right? It's not about what is, I mean, it is about paying attention to the message COVID is conveying, yes. But it's more like dropping into the fact that COVID is in my life, I'm in relationship with it. What kind of relationship am I choosing to be with this new energy that has emerged in my physical life? How do I live with it? And so 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 that's the heart piece. Is not this so do I live in fear and reject it or do I find a way to live in it where I respect its boundaries and it respects mine? And do that in a very realistic way. So, and what I mean by that, so, so for example, I just read an article today that spoke very much grounded and based in science about what they really understand about how this disease is spread and what you need to do for yourself if you want to not spread it. And this does circle back to a really important point today. But the point I'm on right now is all of those, those three things in this article that now reflect why this works to not spread this virus, right, were basically the 
intuitive information that I felt I received from this virus back in February or March as I was asking, it's like, okay, you know, you're in my life now. Not happy about that, but, you know, maybe you're not happy about me. I don't know. But you're here. You're in my world. And so I need to be in relationship with you. And I'd really not like to learn that the hard way. I'd really like to understand. And so intuitively, it became very clear to me based on kind of what made sense to me, but also this this trying to learn to talk to this virus, right? I mean, I don't know its language. It's brand new, right? So I, I made sense to me. Socially distance. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. And basically stop moving around. <laughs> you know, stay put. You know, deal with that. And that's basically now, however many months later, they're finally figuring out is real as they plow through all of the incredible bias, right, in medicine and in science that has kept people in the field, even in the science, from being able to see the facts around us about this virus and the nature of it, the, you know, this, the science that's reflecting the nature of it. And so I'm kind of taking a long time to say this, but my point is... If we come from the heart, we understand that we are always in relationship with everything in our world, which, yes, is animism. Okay, but people tend to think animism is uh, part and parcel with being primitive. And it's why I don't particularly like the word, even though I believe in the word, basically. I don't like it because the implication is animism is something people used to do and then they got smarter. And the truth is we haven't gotten smarter because we've started ignoring the heart. We've started ignoring the relationships that we're in with everything. And and this, just to finish this point, and I feel this is confirmed in my 30 years of shamanic work when I'm dealing with the unresolved energy of the ancestors, which is largely what is driving our really poor decision making today either the fantasy people that are you know flying up out of reality always wanting to know what's the spiritual message from covid blah 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 you know and not grounded in their actual behavior today at the grocery store right and then the people that are creating more separation through their particular conspiracy thinking that anyway i lost my train of thought (laughs) (laughs) well you're talking about the idea that animism is primitive and right. how this is something you're and, and really we're not smarter we've, we've abandoned the heart and right. that's we've, not a form of becoming smarter that's a form of stupidity right. and we've, yeah, yeah i mean we're we're suicidal now as yeah. a culture humanity yeah. on this planet is created a completely unsustainable way of living on this planet and people reasonable people have been talking about this since i was a child i mean i'm old enough to remember as a young person being afraid of nuclear holocaust realistically afraid of that mm-hmm. right that didn't happen right but that didn't mean the messages inherent in that potential crisis went away the issues inherent in that crisis went away just because we didn't manage to blow ourselves up mm-hmm. you know we're kind of still doing that just a different vector of yeah. destruction yeah. So, and my point is the intelligence that dropped out of the picture in all of our civilization and education and all of that is the quality of our relationships with everything in our life. And that is what I mean when I'm talking about the heart and the language of that relationship, as we've talked about in the other two shows, is emotion and feeling and sensation. And so it's also related to the body as well. Mm. So, so that's the thing is if, I'm, if I am refusing to educate myself as to this language, I cannot speak to my own heart. Yes, and that's something I'm really feeling as you're speaking. You know, there's this message my helping spirits have given me recently about how relationship is responsibility and responsibility is relationship. But they're like the same thing in a way. That it's not that so often we hold responsibility as something that's like outside of us that we need to uphold or eventually we'll become the person who can live it, you know, and make good on it, all the ways we failed to live it, you know. But rather, what my helping spirits kept showing me is this, no, it's this 
thing that is always with us that we can never step away from. And so in a way, this stepping out of the intelligence of the heart is, is stepping out of relationship, not just with our heart, but with all living things, constantly maybe out of a fear of that responsibility that to live in relationship with those things and feel that relationship is, which of course is the message of COVID you were sharing. Mm-hmm. You know, I taught a class recently, and I, I was basically just talking about a shamanic perspective of death, which was really fun. It was a one, I was just a little guest speaker in this class, and this student asked this excellent question because I was talking about what is changing, what's your experience of what is changing in a person's consciousness at this place you keep talking about where you're reconciling your life before you leave, And I realized that what I was trying to describe was exactly this intelligence of the heart and the relationships. So, for example, in my um, steel baron story of my family, I'm rising up out of poverty, I'm becoming this, this great... Um, steel tycoon, I'm assuring that my descendants will be cared for and supported and and I and I and I've donated money to those who are less fortunate and I feel so good about my life. And then when we're reconciling our life, we're realizing all of the relationships with all of those workers you ignored, all of those relationships with the earth that you were, you know, pulling the steel, the ore out of, or ignore, like all of the relationships that got ignored in your personal fixation on your family and its Mm. survival, as if you were in danger of actually starving today, right? And so, 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 so the reconciliation is that right, that, that lifting of the veil of illusion of this everyday ordinary life and seeing the energetic flow or not flow of these relationships and all of a sudden all the responsibility in all of those relationships comes clear and you can feel in your heart the burden of unexpressed responsibility the Mm. the pain of unused power that you had to 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 manifest the the part of the dream you're here to manifest and and in not doing it how others then had a greater struggle to manifest their part of the dream mm. and that that is doing harm even though there was nothing ever in your intent in life to do harm and i'm sure this sounds really familiar you know because this is at the heart well, as a white woman, I'll say this if I'm wrong, correct me. But it feels to me like this is at the heart of of not just the Black Lives Matter movement, but just anti-racism and, and education around racism in the United States, at least, I'll speak for that, is, is just that recognition of the depth of the harm you are doing when you have no intention to do harm. And this, to me, is the deep education in ancestral healing, for example, is just seeing that harm person by person, but how that then gets handed down. And so this is part of the time we're in. It's not just this virus that means we don't get to, you know, do the holiday we wanted to do this year. I mean, think about that. It's one year. It's one Thanksgiving one Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate, if you do one solstice gathering and one New Year's, depending on when you celebrate New Year's, right? It's one in a lifetime. You really can't stay home. You really can't just take a nice deep breath and take responsibility for your relationship, not just with your personal loved ones, but with the world and the dream that we are all manifesting together. Absolutely. Again, what I feel too in the lineage of black feminism specifically is not just asking us to look at the harm that's happening, but also focus on the alternative, which should be natural to us, but becomes foreign in this toxic culture of creating structures of care and nurturance Mm -hmm. the opportunities missed yeah 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 Yeah. huge Huge. yeah and and then we have this this real genius and you i i you know i'm terrible connecting ideas with people but the genius of intersectionality right whereas if we actually do this then everybody gets cared for 
Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that that's that's my sense of what's going on here right now is our world through many things right now yeah. is saying back to the changing of the worlds when, 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 when there's an end of a world. So, so, so these shows are about, you know, at the end of the world. So it's really always at the end of the world as we know it, because this world will keep spinning through its, you know, in its solar system, in its galaxy, in its universe and keep going. Whether or not we'll be part of that is always the question. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah. so the end of the world as we know it for me is really a welcome thing. Although I know the movement to whatever the next world is, is going to be leaning into a lot of discomfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so there's that. But so if, if I've spent, so if I'm a human here and I've spent my life learning to lean into discomfort, right, then I'm, I've got a skill set for that. If I'm someone who in the United States, for example, is not... Uh, white or male or straight and straight right then you've been forced to lean into discomfort whether you wanted to do it spiritually or not because every day is uncomfortable because it's filled with a day full of microaggressions and what is a microaggression if it isn't the systemic permission for people to not pay attention to the relationships mm-hmm. and what i see too in the in the people who you know are labeled white and male and straight is that it's not just that there is the lack of forces that are asking you to lean into discomfort, but also in a sense, it's like you, you fit this mold of this toxic culture. So then you are asked to cut off huge parts of yourself to fit that culture. And you're, and you're maybe even in, in being given less opportunities to lean into the discomfort, you're also given less opportunities to remember who you actually are. And so then when you begin to approach that truth and that feeling in the heart, you know, of course, the great reason to avoid the heart is that you, you, the gap is so much bigger than Mm -hmm. for people who fit that cookie cutter mold. And so I have a lot of compassion there too, the pain of moving into a much bigger gap all at once. And then, but then the, the very toxic strategies that get developed to avoid that happening, which involve often cutting off the heart entirely. Yeah. There's we, this, um, we talked about, you know, you, you have to pay to play. Nobody yeah. plays this game without paying. It's just people yeah. pay different things. Yeah. yeah. There's this great character in, um, you know, the new TV show version of his dark materials, um, that, that is, I'm flanking out of her name right now, but the, the woman who's Lyra's mother, um, mm-hmm. who's this, and she, and in that world, everyone's souls are, um, embodied as animals that like walk beside them. And so you see people's souls and this character, her soul is always like most souls you have to keep close to you. But for her, with her way, she's learned to be in the world. She's learned to keep her soul at a far distance. So it can be like operating away from her. Um, and she rarely engages in any intimacy with that animal in the way other people engage with their souls. And I, don't, I just something about that makes me feel like this whole conversation. It's like if we were to see embodied in physical form our current relationship with our heart, I think that would be a pretty scary thing for a lot of us. <laughs> yes, it would. Yeah. 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 So let's see. Did I say that? So I, I think the piece that we I didn't quite get in there that I wanted to make sure we reminded people as we talk about this end of the world idea is from a shamanic perspective the dreaming has already happened it Mm. precedes reality it's not like oh my god will I live my dreams you already are so what's up with your dreams right (laughs) the idea is that the dreaming has already dreamt reality and so we're now living in that and wanting to tune into that dream. And so when I think of Charles Eisenstein's, you know, wonderful title about the more beautiful world our heart knows is possible. Well, the reason for that is because it's already been dreamt. So the, the, the more beautiful world our hearts know is our hearts, right? Not our minds, right? Our hearts know is possible is already dreamt. The question is, are we going to get there? Are we going to take the steps to, to, manifest that world which are steps of power and responsibility and and 
so I think that that's an important thing to recognize and and to tie this back as I was thinking about today. So right now in my cycle of transformation student community, so that that closest community, there's a number of people this year that have been asked to step out of their cohort because their modus operandi is how you live your life. It's not your fault self. It's not, it's not as as complex as your fault self and it's not the need for transformation it's that place in the middle where you choose to be different you've had the transformation and now you choose to be different you've dismantled some aspect of falseness and connected with a greater truth and now you choose to be different and that many people they get kind of lost in their mo and even though they're doing the transformation and working on their truth and you know doing the work basically it's not that they're not doing the work they are but they're not transforming in their actions in the world they keep showing up at the retreats kind of the same in a sense because the mo the actions in the world the choice isn't changing and as i've thought about this you know, I thought about, well, what is it about that that that's a problem? Why isn't that okay? And what I realize in that is it's because if I am stuck in my MO, right, I'm not paying attention to those opportunities that I'm not seizing in my relationships with people, right? I'm not tracking that by staying stuck in this place I'm actually doing harm to others because the reason all these people got asked to step out of whatever they got asked to step out of for now while they work on something is because they were doing harm it was very clearly expressed and they were getting feedback about it and they weren't responding appropriately to the fact that people were letting them know they were doing harm and to the extent where some of them have really literally said I don't understand why it matters that I'm doing this harm like, I am doing it. I see that. Why does it matter? Why can't I? Why am I not free to do harm? And so someone who's in that way of thinking is very much in our current world and not at all looking at how to get to the new world, right, the next world, that, that there's that if, if I am unwilling in my conscious, aware life where I have free will to make change, to see that I'm doing harm and not change that, you know, there's something deeply problematic about that. And and I thought about that. And there's another thing going on in our world today, which I, I have found really interesting, which is there's this this number of, I you know, a percentage of people in the population identified as highly sensitive people. And it and, and a very similar, if not precisely the same percentage of people identified in the culture who are considered non-criminal sociopaths, meaning they do not have empathy. So in other words, if I'm doing harm and I can't really get why it's a problem, then I really don't have empathy. Which, which means I'm leaning on the, that range between if we have highly sensitive people at one extreme and non-criminal sociopaths at the other end of the extreme, you know, it means I'm leaning towards the sociopath end of the, the, the range of how I'm presenting in the world. And um, that's a problem. <laughs> and Because what we've seen is a lot of these non-criminal sociopaths, frankly, run institutions, run businesses, run multi-million dollar businesses, and these these people, in the United States at least, are actually making decisions because their money gives them influence. And so basically we have these people that are empathetically deficient. So they're deficient in heart wisdom, influencing all the things that actually set policy and kind of run the show. And I, I don't mean this in a big conspiracy thinking sort of way. I'm just looking at the, putting the pieces together that are present here around this relationship with the heart. So you have this group of people that are deficient in heart wisdom, in empathy, and, and being allowed to run the show. Now, some of them do an excellent job, but it's because they're smart enough to realize I am deficient. I am doing harm. I can't really quite figure out why. So I need to bring good people around me so as a team we make a better decision. So this is also something you do can do in yourself. 
Like if you're one of those people whose MO puts you in the world in a way that you don't really care that you're doing harm, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a sociopath, but it means it's time for you to get your council of selves around the table making collective decision making. And there's a beautiful um, book, The Wild Heart by Will Tagle about that. There's a show about that. This is this book's old, but if you want a process for doing that, but at the same time, the highly sensitive person is in excess. It's the balance of that deficient. It's not that they're wrong. I'm not saying either of these people are wrong for how they are, but there's a need to understand who you are and how to, how to come into balance in your life so that your decisions are not doing harm, that you become part of this movement towards the new world, not reasons we stay here in the world that we're in, which is pretty disconnected from the heart. And so the highly sensitive person getting excess stimulation has to find a way to work with their energy body mastery, potentially some healing and being to, being able to come to a place where they understand what are the daily practices I need to be in as a highly sensitive person to be able to move through the world without making everybody else do my emotional labor for me. It's not that I shut down, but I have to learn, you know, basically what is what is the collective actions necessary for me to move through the world in a balanced place. And and so there's this this quality in this where the the fact of these populations emerging here at the end of the world makes total sense to me because they're the the two the deficient and the excessive expression of generation after generation after generation of people not tending the responsibility of their relationships and thus nurturing the wisdom of their heart mm. So here we are, right? Yes. So what do we do? Right? So I guess I wonder if we could start that part of the conversation with what do we do with you sharing an example either from your own life or a student or client where someone sort of successfully noticed MMO and NMO and then changed it. Um So one of the things about an MO like that, I'll use I'll use one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give you an out there, <laughs> but that's, that's the juicier. One of mine. <laughs> so, so when I was younger, what my mo was to um, basically, well, my mo was to get in and then out of a lot of relationships. But there was a lot of learning going on. I really saw relationships, and still do as a teacher, just to put this in wasn't this wasn't wasted energy but what i saw was this pattern of decent person decent person decent person soul destroyer decent person decent person decent person even better soul destroyer decent person decent person decent person really awesome soul destroyer i kept picking these partners that really actively got involved in in tearing apart the person they were in relationship with um, for whatever reasons. I don't even care anymore. But the point was, if I'm going to look at my MO, I'm the common denominator in that pattern. And these are relationships, right? So this is this intimate pattern that I'm intimate, sexual, sensual pattern that I'm creating, which is, you know, good, good, good soul destruction. <laughs> I look back at it now and I think, oh, good thing I noticed that. But after the last one, I realized it was so hard, took so long for me to climb out of the hole that that relation that I dug myself into in that relationship. That I realized if you amp this up one more time, you know, if you run this pattern one more time through the loop, you will not get out. You will be destroyed to the degree that you cannot climb out of that hole that you put yourself in doing this again and again and again with these with these people. And so I took a step back because I was do you know I, the reason it was you know better and better soul destroyers is because I was becoming more conscious. I was paying attention to each relationship and growing, and yet somehow I wasn't breaking out of that mo I was talking about. In other words, I was doing the transformation. Right? I thought I was making changes, but somehow I was missing this bigger pattern, this MO. Right? And 
so what happened with that is my way out of that at the time. Now, I didn't have half the skills I have today. I only had energy body mastery and energy body clearing, to put it in the language of today, uh, our work today. I didn't have helping spirits. I didn't have journeying. I didn't, didn't really have a lot of that consciously yet. Obviously, it was present, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But what I did was I went back into, you know, like like the me that I'd gone through this really painful process of dragging myself out of this dark hole that I'd gone into. And I actually went back through it in intimate relationship with the person that I had been. And, 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 and the whole point was I came into not just trying to recover the power to drag myself out of the hole, but going back and asking essentially for what would the red flags be going forward, right? So it's the responsibility piece. So going back to each woman who chose to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into this dynamic with this person and, and look at where was the responsibility I didn't pick up for myself or my life or my dream or whatever, whatever the responsibility was because there was some, some collection of relationships in my life were completely, the responsibility was completely shunned to, to put all of my responsibility into this relationship with this person who was destroying me, right? <laughs> and, and so what came out of that was a, an aspect of myself was able then to come to the decision-making table internally that was the self who was herself crazy, and that's the me I was unwilling to be in relationship with. The me I was so afraid of was this person that felt to me relative to the person I'd been trained by my culture to be, right? So this is a relativity, right? Completely crazy. Now, now I would call her many different things, right? Which have lovely shamanic ramifications. But at the time, I just saw her as... I was dating these men with a particular kind of insanity in them to to see this part of myself. Mm-hmm. And once I saw her, I never was even interested in men like that again. And then actually created another r- rather unhealthy pattern, which is I would laugh in their faces and do obnoxious things out in bars and you know, which is not good with crazy people because they tend to get violent. But anyway, I just like that attraction to them, right, was just gone to the point of recklessness because I had this intimate, powerful and responsible relationship with the person inside of me who was bag of bugs, just batshit crazy. But I knew her, right? I was intimate relationship with her. It's like I could be with her and not have her sort of unconsciously driving the bus basically by getting me into relationships with people that would reflect her back to me. And now for some people, they would actually call this shadow work. And I don't. I just see this as being able to look at your patterns at that place where you go, okay, this is not a blame the victim thing, but an empowered place where I've, I've regathered my power and I'm the common denominator. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Let me pick up the responsibility that goes with that power to myself. And, it, and the heart operates really well in this space where power and responsibility are um, like the right and the left foot. You know, they just, they, they're equally part of how you move through the world. And that, the important thing about that, and this, is, this ties us back to the time that we're in, it is very hard to maintain that place when you are not free. Mm. And back to, I mean, we've talked about freedom in one of the other shows. Freedom is really important quality for the heart. And this is why... I believe this is why all of the ways in which certain people in at least the United States are not as free as others is so much on um, the, the, the reality platform right now is because we need the wisdom of our heart to 
step over the gap into the new world and leave old things behind and for the wisdom of everybody's hearts to be present they have to be free and so freedom this need for this real freedom is 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 rising up in a very real way your politically correct language policing of the last several decades didn't do it right Mm -hmm. (laughs) we need actual justice actual freedom actual fairness like these qualities that allow the heart then to bear the power and the responsibility easily just like walking versus this enormous burden put on some people to do all the emotional labor and these people have to do the psychological labor and these people have to actually do the labor right whereas other groups get to act as if it you know it's all so easy yes and i think it's interesting too how sorry what were you saying nothing go ahead I just think it's interesting too how the it's not always about material freedom entirely. That is part of it. Like obviously material realities of our life have a huge impact on us and it is not necessarily the people who are most, you know, marginalized or oppressed that have the least freedom. Um, in fact, in a sense, it's like all of that marginalization and impression and crushing forces of colonization and white supremacy have to go into keeping those people that are perhaps more free, in, in a sense, not able to act on that freedom. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The least free places in my life, I see myself immediately back in my corporate job in high heels, stockings, um, makeup suits you know like playing this role it's the whole that that corporate drag right and Mm -hmm. playing into this person who could survive in this corporate world when that's like the least free i think that i if it, it just i don't know maybe there was worse times than that but that's where i felt the least free to be real Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm wow yeah so In this time that we're in, understanding that we all need to be looking at our MOs because they're not working and taking up our responsibility, seeing the selves that have given up that responsibility again and again and picking it back up. Is there anything you would share on sort of either an individual or a collective level about how to really be engaging our heart and our emotions in that process in that work right now so we don't miss more opportunities Mm -hmm. yeah because this the real the real gift and opportunity that we unlock when we we also pay attention to the wisdom of the heart right is newness right is that is that not repeating the same pattern like without that intimacy and that rebalancing the power and responsibility internally we don't get a new version of reality we get a new version of the old reality Mm -hmm. and so this whole if we really want this world to end we have to be willing to end it right and the only way we know we can do that is if we are willing to to move into and let the wisdom of the heart help us feel the imbalance in our relationship with all of these different things, the environment, with the ancestors, with our spiritual life, with each other, with, you know, all of it. All, I mean, it, it, the, the, the world that has been dreamt, that our hearts know is possible, is a world in which we recognize what it means that we're all connected and that everything affects everything and everything is energy. Like all of these things are speaking about the fact that we are engaging in everything through relationships. So what is the quality of your relationship with everything? Right? And do you do you have the freedom to change the quality of relationship or are we meeting a systemic situation where we now need to work collectively to give all of us freedom to change the quality of that relationship? Um but but that to me is the it's not necessarily the gift in it it's the way to get there is the gift is something different something new something that is rooted in the things that um 
we want our descendants to inherit. Mm. I mean, I think there's there's that um, way in which we get so centered in this one life in the now. Uh, now, of course, spiritually, to be in the moment is is a desirable thing, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this kind of attachment to this version of reality that is very much scoped down into me as a person versus seeing myself as part of the flow of energy from my ancestors through me to the descendants and that that is a circle that I'm participating in and that um, that circle is here in similarly in this greater web of life because for me to live through this day I'm going to I, I will consume resources and expel waste. That's going to happen. And that needs to cycle through the greater web of life in a good way that doesn't trash that greater web of life. And all of that happens in a way that is an expression of this Earth's story, this Earth's dreaming. Like our ancestors connect us to the energy of the Earth. And the descendants connect us to this possibility of the future. And we're here poised in that. So where was I going with that? So so where I was going with that is part of what bringing the wisdom of the heart allows us to do is to um, see the exercise of the responsibility in those relationships as giving us our path forward versus see you know helping us to understand creatively our path forward versus seeing that connection to the web of life as all of this energy that holds us back there's a tendency to think all of those relationships hold me back from the magnificence of my true genius because i'm an individual it's a very american way of thinking about things but it's also very western Versus recognizing that that path is the exact same path that the Western world's been doing for the last several thousand years. We need to end that world. And we need to return to a world that recognizes that this is all relationships. Whether we like it or not or want to acknowledge it or not, it is. It scientifically, naturally, spiritually, energetically is all about relationships. And the only way to do this wisely is sustainably. And so by picking up my responsibility for all of these relationships and seeing all these relationships I'm in, then my efforts to repair and restore, restore and repair those relationships are the path forward to the new world. I mean, I'm, so, so my effort to not do harm isn't just to shut down and not do harm, but it's how do I go forward without doing harm with you, right? You know, how... How do I repair that relationship? So the the answers to the questions of how we re- repair what isn't working can only come as new answers that get us to new solutions if we include the wisdom of the heart. And I can only do that if I do that with others because I have my own blind spots, my own deaf spots, and my own places I don't want to, you know, I'm in denial and I'm afraid of. And so that collective piece is really important um and i guess my point was just is that it is only in recognizing the relationships and wanting the quality of the relationships to make my heart sing that gives me the steps forward into a new world if i'm just trying to solve today's problem based on today's thinking i'll just create a new version of today's problem we already know that thank you einstein right we, we need to move to another level of consciousness, and it isn't just mental. The, I, I really believe that that other level of consciousness that gives us the new ideas is because we've learned to access the actual wisdom of the heart, the wisdom of right relationship, of that dance of power and responsibility in relationship with everything I'm connected to today. Including technology. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about all the things I'm connected to, like right in this moment. And then I have to remember, oh, right, and technology, right? So if I'm in, if, if, I've, if I'm getting a hint that, you know what, I think there's an MO rearing its head in my life that I've been avoiding looking at, are there any 
um, journey questions or just ways of thinking, like questions we should be asking ourselves with our mind and our strategic powers to start to just explore that a little bit. And so, so I feel like as in that exploring the MO, when I talked about sort of being in relationship and going down and down and down with that aspect of me that kept making, you know, worse and worse and worse decisions until I almost got destroyed, right, is um, where's the love is the first question. Right. And, and, and you're in, well, first off, who are you talking to or trying to restore relationship with inside of yourself? In other words, who, there's an outer pattern that you've noticed you're doing, or your friends can help you notice that you're doing, right? <laughs> Somehow you have to see the pattern of your MO, right? And then the next thing is, okay, so, so that's, that is something I'm doing inside of myself, Okay, so, and I don't know it yet, and that's the things, people try to jump too quickly to, this is the outer pattern of soul destruction, so how am I doing that to myself, and I immediately want an answer, and I want to fix it now, and go back to being a perfect person, whereas this is more, MO is more complex, because it's built of the, the small decisions you make throughout the day, it's what's driving those small decisions throughout the day, which um relates to I, I don't know if I can quite draw the connection right now and I don't want to get off topic but that this those small decisions throughout the day relate also to that that field in which microaggressions are happening mm-hmm. right I mean so that same I'm talking about that field of energy where these are all little things and no one thing is a big deal mm-hmm. but it is a big deal because it's part of this, death of a thousand cuts or the straw that breaks yeah. the camel's back or however one look at that which does create soul loss so this is that's a big deal right but mm-hmm. in the moment it seems small okay so it's those kinds of multiple moment by moment decisions that created this pattern that is your mo and so the first thing then is is to connect with the other versions of you that are part of that internal pattern that you're not in good relationship with or not in relationship with at all. And these are internal selves that are quite present within you, but you're, you're not in a good, healthy, respectful, respecting boundaries and limits kind of relationship with each other. There, where's the love? So who are you talking to internally first? The next is where's the love? Like what, what, what relationship is this love being shoved into? So you start to see what the dynamic of how the energy is flowing, not flowing with this self. Now, gen- grossly oversimplifying this, because it is a podcast, not a class, <laughs> right? Grossly oversimplifying this, with emotions, There's the first thing to look at, the first brush is, is this something that is in denial and thus deficient? Or something that is big that's being denied, like like that whole sort of denial deficiency is one side. But there's another side to this, which doesn't usually become part of the conversation. Denial deficiency is a typical part of the conversation. But the other side of it is excess and indulgence. And so when we're talking about the energy of the heart, there's a lot of emotional or felt energy in funky relationships where something is being indulged. It's suffering over our suffering. Mm. So this event happened, and now I'm creating a story that makes that worse than it really is. And now I'm suffering over that. And now I'm suffering because I'm suffering over that. right? And, and it just becomes this spiral, this deeply indulgent emotional spiral that is not the wisdom of the heart. It's a deep, deep abuse of the power and the wisdom of the heart to be in that kind of excessive indulgent place and it's very story driven as is our denial and deficiency story driven because fear it nets much more obviously fear based and so this is this is how our our the this free um crystal clear expressed um, I always think it uh, often in metaphors of dancing when you just watch someone dancing their style so excellently. You may have never seen it before, but you know you're seeing excellence. That's the heart. That's mm. the heart 
in its in its expressed place in the world so i'm thinking of all of this you know street dance that's now really brought to the level of you know being accepted as a true new dance form and i see different dancers doing this and oh my heart just sings watching them and i just see the heart in its full expression right so that's what we're looking for so when we get in this heavy emotional indulgence that's not that place right Mm -hmm. as is this sort of naked far away from my emotions denied deficient place is not that place Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well Thank you so much, Christina. This has been really wonderful to have this conversation with you. Are we done already? Wow. Yeah, we're done. I know, it went fast. (laughs) Yeah, so we thank the earth below, the sky above, our good, true, and beautiful ancestors, and all those many forces of creation that are constantly inviting us back into relationship with them to pick up with our full wild, courageous, whole hearts, that relationship, so we can access the opportunities and not let another opportunity to move towards life pass us by. We thank you for continuing to show up and remind us of that opportunity that's always available to us. And we thank you, heart that unites us all. Thank you, Langston. Thank you, Christina.